Hello, and welcome back to The Violet Vulture, or simply welcome if you're new here. My name is Emmy, and I'll be your host. I identify as a storyteller, Datsula, witch, and an all-around too-much person. And what do we do here on the pod? Well, we love and honor the spooky, the esoteric, spirituality, art, curiosity, horror, shadow work, strong opinions, and questions. A lot of this podcast does come from my own reflections, thoughts, perspectives, but a lot of it does come from you all. So do drop a voice memo or a comment on Spotify, DM me, email me, your fascination, morbid curiosity, special interest, and your topic just might make it onto the pod. So let's keep chatting. I absolutely love your questions. Let's continue to get deep, vulnerable, and so, so weird. Just a few things before we get into the meat of today's episode. I was really surprised by this conversation just because I know that a lot of folks, when they come onto a podcast, when they have a lot of different projects going on, a lot going on in in their lives, that they kind of want to get straight into it. But I found this to be such a very, like a deeply human conversation you know, uh, Rivka and I have known each other for a little while now. And as you will learn in this episode, we almost got connected and may have been friends even sooner than that. And that's, it's always funny how life works where you spend a little time talking, you meet in some other way, and you learn that you probably could have ended up like having your lives collide perhaps sooner if things had been a little bit different. But Everything happens in its own time, but I'm so glad to know them now. Really excited to hear a little bit more about their big project, Gianna, that was successfully crowdfunded, is in post-production at time of recording. And yeah, just that there's some really great tidbits as well, pepper throughout with like advice, reflections on things that we've experienced, things we've learned from. So I love just how deeply down to earth this whole this whole shindig was i think that it'll also help you kind of see another side of them because life is an instagram so without further ado let's get on to today's episode hello everyone welcome back to the violet vulture i have a very special guest on the podcast today I have been a huge fan of them. I remember when I was a wee little queer before I knew that I was queer, that I love this person's energy. I loved everything they stood for. Still salty. I got a real guitar, but not a bass guitar. But that's a story for another occasion. Uh, so glad to have Rivka Reyes on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Rivka. Thank you for having me. Remember yeah. starting this podcast, I think we had a reading like days before you launched this, and I'm just so proud to see that your pod is thriving. Well, thank you. I I really owe a lot of gratitude to readers such as yourself because I was in a era of a lot of discernment, and I think you are really you're you're so good at really like. I've gotten other Akashic Records readings before, but there's something about how you're able to kind of translate and transmute messages. I feel like 
I get so much value out of that. And honestly, I think that one-to-one time with you really helped me push it forward because oh, amazing! I, I just love how you birthed ideas in the universe. So I think that also helped. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Do we want to tell them how we know each other outside of being badass queer witches? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So I went to high school with Emmy's brother-in-law Neil, shout out to Neil. We did play. We did a play together. We did Guys and Dolls. He was great. I was ensemble. Um, he was. Uh, he sang. I got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere. Did you see it? I did. <laughs> oh my god! We we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No, I was like, I was not a good enough dancer to be one of the like slutty, um, sexy girls, the hot box dolls. So they had me basically playing like a um, Salvation Army like trumpet player named Agatha, which was, um, it was good for my ego. I think it was like nice and humbling um, because I was like that, um, I was the new kid at school. I was a senior and I had come from like being like big roles in all the plays at other schools and like being kind of seen as this, you know, force to be reckoned with in the high school theater scene and then being, you know, given a, um, a minor role was good for me. It's definitely a different experience, I imagine, how you interact in that space compared to being in more of a leading part. Much different. And also, like, I didn't know this then, uh, but I definitely know now that it was, like, somehow, like, protective because, like, some new kid comes in and they get the lead role. That's kind of, like dangerous territory and could lead to other people's like resentment or jealousy. Um, and I am now like in a place where I'm like, Oh, I'm grateful that that actually, you know, uh, didn't end up being, you know, a thing for me and that I was able to like ingratiate myself into like the class and the, the school, like in a humbling way. Um, and then that year, it was I came into a new school my senior year which is pretty quirky and fun um but yeah I I was uh kicked out of my first high school and then second high school I got really bad into drugs so they put me at Lincoln Park um which is interesting to put me at Lincoln Park because I was doing drugs uh I ended up doing more drugs at Lincoln Park um but I was gonna say yeah, just in a, a more, uh, and also Lincoln Park is a public school, so, and their theater program was really good, and their choir was great, but um, for choir, which I was also in with Neil, um, yeah, LPS represent Lincoln Park singers, baby, I'm sure you came to some concerts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those were fun. I was a choir kid for two years. It was a lot of fun. I love the Lincoln Park High School choirs, like, that was, I, I had two choir classes back to back when I was, my senior year in high school was like such a breeze. I basically made it like so, so easy. I did like discrete math, which I think is like code for remedial math. I don't know. Is that, is that, I don't have no idea. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like remedial math. Um, and like a bunch, yeah, like a couple, like two English classes and two choirs and, you know, one uh, US history class. But anyway, um, and then I think I had a free period and lunch, like back to back or something like crazy like that. It was, it was a total breeze. Um, but 
the shortness and say that I got the solo in the classic Lincoln Park High School graduation song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I got the girl solo. And I know a lot of girls were like, what the fuck? She just got here. And they were kind of mad about it. But, you know, it just, when you're, when you're up against the goat, <laughs> when you're up against Honestly. me, you know, but. <laughs> no, it felt, I feel like, um, yeah, Lincoln Park High School for being a very down to earth school to go to was still very territorial around certain like artistic disciplines. So as far as like the cattiness you're talking about, like, absolutely. (laughs) I, and you don't necessarily even feel it in the moment, but like when you look back a little bit, I'm like, wow, those are like some bitchy people I went to high school with. I was lucky. I I really, I mean, I already knew people that were there, but then like with choir, I was like, I fell right into like a friend group that felt really good for me. Like I I very specifically remember these two girls, Nadie and Apple, um, taking me under their wing and they were just so sweet. And like Nadie is this big Disney nerd. And she, I think actively works at Disney and is friends with Jasmine and like, you know, she, she's like, you know, the Disney girl. Um, and then Apple and uh, Nadie and I were all in the Guys and Dolls show together and like kind of just became this little like trio. And like, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It was nice. And then I also somehow like fell into like the, the punk IB kid, like click. <laughs> it's like so funny how like Mean Girls is so spot on with like high school clicks and their specificity. Like there's like Disney adults in training and IB punk kids, like vegan, so like straight edge <laughs> punk kids that I like, I, we were all in the same prom group. Like we got a big trolley and my dad like put mixers on the trolley for us because he knew we were going to get hammered and you know I don't know it was it's so funny just to to think about the circles I I fell into were you like a floater in high school as well a little bit uh for the first two years I was an IB kid and that very quickly burned me out and I had a few experiences where I I was afraid of like fighting back like the thing to worry about at Lincoln Park wasn't whether or not the dudes would start fighting. It's like the girl on girl fights were what you had to worry about. So mm-hmm. I almost ended up in one and I'm like, I can't fight back. My parents are going to kill me. And then my dad was like, how dare you not have thrown a punch? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And around that time, I ended up being friends with like this weird intersection of like, people who loved working out like lifting heavy weights like getting jacked but also loved comic conventions and playing world of warcraft wow i i'm like i am untouchable now (laughs) no one is gonna mess with me that's so funny yeah i was never like i in high school i was never athletic i was always theater girl like you know the the theater girl and like you know so dramatic I had to like be pulled out of class sometimes to like go do auditions and stuff like that was my life for a long time and then um I I actually identified as like 
not athletic and like a wimp when it came to any sport I was like made fun of in gym class so I would always be sick for gym class and you know my favorite day in gym class was when we watched a movie about the uh the like anatomy of a person um (laughs) specifically the stuff about the brain I was like whoa cool I think I want to be a psychology major hilarious um hilarious that I thought that um didn't do that did a theater major and now, now, like, and in, in I'm 30 now, right? This is like years and years out of high school, but now I'm a jock. Like I'm a full like athlete. I'm a competitive power lifter, you know? And, and it's crazy now that I think about it. I was like judging the like muscle heads, like so hard. And like, I mean, I even dated a guy who was like a gym bro for a little while, but he was also a theater guy. Like the, <laughs> you can be both. Um, I I, like dated this guy who was a gym bro theater guy and I was like so judgmental of him he's like my macros my macros and now I am that bitch I'm like oh my macros and you know tracking I can bring a food scale with me to freaking Sundance film festival you know like that that is just who I've become and I'm like in deep acceptance of like I still to this day am very much a floater when it comes to like friend groups and stuff because I and I am able it's like funny my birthday party this year was like my 30th birthday party was like all my sober friends were there all my like queer comedian friends were there and then all my gym bro friends were there it was so fun like just seeing like the sober queers and the gym bros interacting with each other and the gay you know comedians with the like sober uh, sober queer people like I, I was just it was so fun like and then there were a couple wild card like friends that I met doing a play who are from all different parts of the world (laughs) um but at the end of the day I think that's like a fun thing that happens in adulthood is that the like cliques that we used to be afraid of like we're all kind of equal once we graduate high school (laughs) yeah and it's funny you say that because I've been reflecting in the past year on how much I've had to evolve based on like what my body is saying it needs because I'm learning how to listen and the people that I use to side eye, like the stereotypical like Angelino lifestyle of like you have you like you live off of ginger and you're gluten free, <laughs> maybe you avoid dairy. And I'm like, I'm I'm that now. I want to be in dry heat. <laughs> like where where my cute curated fits, sensible oh, yeah. shoes, patterns on like, patterns, statement pieces all together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know LA, the LA, New York, Chicago, like divide of it all. And I've lived in all three and I've, I love all three so much, but I definitely like, you know, my dad's a fifth generation New Yorker and I feel like I've inherited some of his like grittiness and his, you know, Hey, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, and then the Chicago of it all, I mean, anytime anyone's from Chicago or has any Chicago or suburb Chicago area code, I have to say, wait, where did you go to high school? And like, you know, what's your pizza place? And if they don't say Pequods, they're wrong. And like, you know, um, and like now, but then now I'm like such an Erewhon girly, you know, uh, yes, also living off of ginger and like ashwagandha tonics and juice powders and things like that. Um, so there is really no binary when it comes to all of this. And TLDR, I am a New York bitch with a um, a Chicago rising and a LA moon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. And in human design, you're also a manifesting generator too, right? Yes. Yes. Are you? Uh, I'm a projector, self-projector, oh. which somebody said, like, no wonder you have a podcast because now you can <laughs> just like propel your energy into the world. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the manifesting generator to me forgot that I have a podcast and I haven't recorded an episode in over a year. Uh, but well, you know, no, I, 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 I listened to a few episodes recently to kind of remind myself because it's been a minute. And I really did like your um, your inner child, like you speaking to you, because I thought that was so lovely. And that's not really a practice I have gotten into in my own shadow work. So seeing how you've approached that was so was so refreshing to me. Thank you. It, it's there for you whenever you want to go back to it, but. Yeah, it's still really resonant. Yeah, I think I would do a different podcast now. Like, I think I got a little burnt out as manifesting generators tend to do, like talking to like other people who are like, who have very similar life experiences to me, like being a child star. And like, there we we do like run out of things to talk about. It's like, oh, what happened to your Coogan account? What'd you do with it? You know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, were you like uh, told that you would be hot when you were 18 too? Cool, 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 cool. Where I think the like beautiful parts of my podcast that I, I want to like adapt into something new are that like the, the two questions I asked all my guests were, what would you say to your inner child? And who was your Matilda? Who was the first time that you like saw a character or an actor or a performance that you saw and you were like, oh my God, that's me. Like, when did you feel seen in media? Um, because those are really the the questions that I was excited to ask everybody. Like, I don't care about all the other shit. Like, that's that's really um, what I care about. And, and it opens it up, too. It, like, broadens it up to not just former child actors, like, or stars. It's anybody has – everybody has a Matilda. Everybody has that inner child. And everybody has a message to relate to that inner child. No, I, I totally hear that. I I can appreciate how – it's a little bit too narrow and there's something about spending too much time picking at something to the point where it's like, what is this doing for me and also listeners? Because something that I've been open about that like, I think me a decade ago, but it would have been like, why the hell are you not in therapy anymore? And it's like, I'm, I'm navel gazing too much. I need to actually do everything I've been told to do. <laughs> Cause then it just felt like, um, like you get that tutor who's telling you, hey, why didn't you do your practice exercise last week or this past week? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you got to do it if you want to get better. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But then I realized that that accountability just felt weird at a point. So sometimes you're spending too much time in one thing, which is very MG for sure. But yeah, I, I liked <laughs> I like the specificity of it, though. I feel like it's underrated to do something for a season and then want to move on to something different. It, it could be related or you could just do a fucking lot. Because, <laughs> like, why not? I know. I've had so many podcast ideas, like, fall by the wayside. Like, I have a friend who's also Filipino, also a witch, and also queer. And we were going to start an L Word rewatch podcast. And then we just decided not to because it's just so bad. 
um like the original show is just so and I was like how do we like make it Filipino and like we, we had a fun idea to like ask at the end of every episode like was there a Filipino person on this episode of the L word and usually the answer is no um until like I think this season might be like the first time they've had like a Filipino like uh, like recurring star on it um this actress or actor um Carmen Lobu um, came into the show this season and I am a big fan. I love them. I think they're great. Um, and they're doing a great job. And I, I hope that they get a season four of, uh, L word generation Q so that we can see like what happens with that, that character. Um, because honestly we need more Filipino people on TV. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I love that too. But yeah, there's something about like the timeliness and it just went a different direction. Mm-hmm. It, not unlike a lot of other things. Yeah. I feel like there's something about HBO in season two of things where it's hit or miss. Like it's going to be more chaotic. Yeah. It just depends on whether or not you're going to like it. Yeah. I'm worried. Yeah. Like Showtime, you know, has uh, Yellow Jackets mm. coming out season two. And I'm like, oh God, I hope it's good. I hope it's not like too, you know, because I thought it was a perfect one season show. Like if they did only do one season, I would have been fine with that. But you know, there are new uh, survivors coming into the chat, like people that like, we may have thought like, oh, they were dead, but they're coming into the chat. And like, I'm excited to see who's still alive from the plane crash and all that. But yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. There, there are a lot of shows that like are better left uh, <laughs> with the original and like not needing a reboot. I don't think L Word is one of them. I actually really do quite like Gen Q and I'm having a good time watching it. Cause like, I mean, mostly because a lot of my friends are on it now. Like, you know, I'm seeing little cameos here and there from people I know and from like celesbians that like, we love to like laugh about like Fletcher and friggin' G flip and Chriselle were just in the finale. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's fun to just see. And then Margaret Cho was in an episode this season who I just worked with and I think it's it's a fun new spin on things, but yeah, I don't know if we need that '90s show. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know how that '70s show ended, and I I know, like the right. yeah, I think there's this like resurgence in Hollywood of like, well, let's remake that thing that was so good when it was on, where it's like we don't necessarily need to do that. Like, I mean, Arrested Development is my favorite show of all time. I think it's like my style of humor, like to a T very smart and at the same time dumb and like you know makes you laugh and and you know makes you think and is character driven ensemble driven stuff where and family driven of course I love families that are just so horrible to each other because um you know of uh shared life experience I guess um and like they came out with two extra seasons and it's like I don't need to see Michael Sarah play that character again like and not be like a cute like kind of chubby kid like he doesn't yeah he's <laughs> Michael Sarah doesn't have the same allure uh <laughs> as George Michael um as he did when he was you know a child <laughs> yeah but uh yeah <laughs> the reboot the reboot is funny and now there's that show reboot which is really good because it's like kind of satirizing the the reboot uh genre that is kind of taking over uh Hollywood mm. right now yeah, I mean, aside from the aspect of people really liked it, let's bring it back because we're making a safe choice. And, you know, 
there's like the capitalist drive of it all of like make more money off of the nostalgia machine. But yeah. I guess I wonder what else is it? Why, why else would we do this aside from that? Because I don't like to only think nihilistically, or at least I'm trying not to, <laughs> but I wonder what it says about where we are right now in the world that we're feeling like we want to stir up that nostalgia. Yeah. I think it's just like a sense of yearning for the past because we've just had like three years of a pandemic and like crazy. And then before that, it was like Trump era, you know? And I think that we're in a place as a society where it's like, I wish we could go back to the good old days. But like the thing about the good old days is that like racism was worse, like, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, transphobia and homophobia were worse. Bodies like, you know, were every every time you know a woman a celebrity lost weight it was a news article like and and that's like the reality when people say like I miss the good old days it's like yeah but those good old days like there were a lot of uh, shadowy aspects to them too absolutely like very flawed like uh Tim had never seen Bridget Jones's diary and I said Uh, it'll be an experience uh watching them continue to say that Renee Zellweger at that frame weight, whatever her actual weight is, I don't know, I don't care, but saying like, this is a fat woman. And I'm like, I would have loved to look that way. (laughs) Yeah, Love Actually too. I I just watched, yeah, I just watched Love Actually for the first time this year. Mm. And that movie is unhinged and lots of fat shaming for the, um, the, character that ends up with uh, the prime minister or like right i was just so taken aback by that i was like what the fuck is this i'm like she's my size <laughs> exactly i'm like oh great <laughs> as i didn't see it when i was a young kid i saw it around like high school and then just like all of the fat shaming like all the references to like the number on the scale that she kept like fastidious like attention to and just like oh that's me that's apparently not great i'm i'm gonna back off of watching this for a while (laughs) and yeah it's really something to look back on um yeah i yeah and i really do resonate with like we we've all been through a time so there's something about that yearning for when we felt like things were easy and i and if i look back you know speaking in the eye so much of the the yearning is like I would have known what to do then in ways that I don't know how to deal with shit now. It's not even about like ease so much as like that felt like a simple problem. And now I have these upgraded problems (laughs) that I'm like, how do I, how do I navigate any of it? Yeah. You just, uh, the only way out is through. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I, you know, with that, um, I'm curious Aside from like deadlines and the like, when did you initially conceive of Gianna? And you know, I oh, this is a great question. Yeah, like when did that really get birthed in your mind? Well, I uh, identify as somebody with a loud inner critic. I have uh, many neuro spiciness. <laughs> that, that's not a word, obviously, but I many different diagnoses, <laughs> um, not to get into it, but, um, a tool I learned 
early on in like navigating like my mental health journey was like when you hear that voice that tells you you're not enough, you're a piece of shit, you're a loser, you're not pretty enough, you're too like you're too this, you're not enough this. Um, instead of saying like fuck you to that voice, like giving it a name and and like accepting it as a part of you. Um, and this is about I don't know, maybe I mean it's been a while. It's been that that's been since I got sober so like a little over five years now that I've been using that tool of like naming the voice giving it a name that's not you because it isn't you it's like the ego it's parts of you sure but it's not your authentic self um so I named my voice uh Brenda um and uh when Brenda gets loud I just ask it like oh hey what, what do you need like what or if Brenda's too loud and I can't like you know quiet it I'm like hey can you like you know turn down your volume a little bit and like leave me alone for a second so I can like get what's in front of me done um and just learning how to navigate dealing with that that voice um and I've been writing about that like in just like a Instagram post or an essay or you know some any any way I can like spread the word about that tool um I have been and I uh took this writing class in February of last year called Fade In to You um it was like an all queer group it was really really sweet and tender um the coach who taught it is named Kate Schuster and she also you know ended up being the director of Gianna the film um but in that class, I, I wrote Gianna, the script. Um, I, I, you know, the, the log line for it is like, what if that inner critic tried to kill you? And um, it, it ended up happening so quickly. Like I, I had uh, worked on a play over the summer in LA and, and it was like after a string of like job after job after job. I had done like three movies in a row and, you know, a couple commercials um, yeah, I was working on this play in the summer of 2022 and it was after a string of like jobs all in a row and I crashed really hard and I was like depressed in like such a deep state of depression that I was like borderline like suicidal and my therapist was like, red flag, red flag. And she was like, let's get you some more intense help. And I decided maybe in a manic state, but I just decided that we were making Gianna and we we're going to make it by the end of the year so that I would have something to do so that I would have something to look forward to. And so that I would have something to carry me into the new year um, to make. And I was like, it's about damn time. I star in my own project. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I wrote a pilot. I've written a couple of like treatments for feature films and TV shows that I would like to write and also be in. And before I do any of that, I wanted to see what it was like to make a short film. I launched this crowdfunding campaign. We raised almost $40,000 to make it. Um, in a month, which is crazy. That's like more money than I've ever made in my entire life in one month. Um, and then we just made it. Um, we 
did it over three days in LA. We shot in my friend's house and a couple of other locations. And we are currently in post-production. I am like going over to the editor's house on Wednesday to look at the cut and like see the film for the first time. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm, I mean, we're, we're making moves and, and hopefully we get into a bunch of great festivals and hopefully people see it and go, Oh, like, uh, what else you got? You know? And that's where I whip out the, the other projects that I've been working on tirelessly for years. Thank you. I, I had never personally conceived of naming my inner critic as a way of both acknowledging the voice, but also to engage in kind of more of an even keel dialogue where it's not that it's taking over, but it's that, you know, there's something there that needs to be acknowledged, healed, etc. And I like the tenderness with how you approach it too, because I feel like it's so easy to lead to like a screaming match where it's like, how can I outbox you? Yeah. Well, that's like what the film is all about too. Like, you know, I don't want to give anything away. Um, but when we meet Gina, the film's protagonist, she doesn't have the tools that Rivka five years sober has, you know? So she doesn't know that you can treat that voice with tenderness. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. But we really, we really do get to see the effects that like that kind of like, um, fuck you, Gianna, like that kind of energy has on a person. Um, you know, because sometimes like saying fuck you to the voice just makes it angrier and worse uh, <laughs> and louder. Um, and, and then letting it go unnoticed too is like another thing. It's like, it's a different uh, thing. It's just like that manifests in addiction and physical sickness and um, like just so much fear and, and like not putting yourself out there. Um, I know, you know, something, a big lesson for me um, especially like as a manifesting generator who is a Leo with a stellium in the 10th house, Leo stellium 10th house, fun. And Chiron and Leo too in the 10th house is that like, it's a lot of trial and error, but I work better when I just do something rather than just sitting there and wishing somebody would invite me to be on their TV show or, you know, be on their podcast or whatever. Like I do a lot better when I just DM somebody saying, Hey, like I saw you're having this cool event in my neighborhood for queer Asian people. Do you need a tarot reader for this event? Is that something you'd be open to? And nine times out of 10, they say yes. You know, um, I think I've only gotten one no. And it was like, because they already had somebody else and that's like perfectly fine, you know? Um, and and the same goes for the same go thing goes for creative projects too. It's like, you know, why hasn't somebody written a TV show about a queer Filipino mixed race uh, lesbian witch yet? And it's like, oh, Rivka, you are that. So why don't you write it? You know, <laughs> it's just very that. Um, that is like very manifesting generator specific. I know projectors are to wait for the invite, but. 
um, if there are any Manny Gems listening out there who are like, why haven't I got, it's because you have to do it. <laughs> you have to make your, your job for yourself. Um, which is like a blessing and a curse, but every job I've ever had pretty much like since graduating college has been a job that I made, uh, and like named, like, these are my skills and this is what I'm really good at. This is what I'm not so great at. So I would love to assist you, your company, your business with this, this, and this. And then they go, okay, come along. Yeah, that sounds great. We actually do need extra hands on that project or we actually do need somebody to, you know, come to the gym once a week for four hours and, and do towels and do protein shakes, like <laughs> refill the vending machine. Um, so I think it's just a learning experience for me when that voice was keeping me so small, keeping me back from doing a lot of things that I knew I should already be doing. Yeah, I hear that. I, what I feel like is kind of baked into that about confronting that inner saboteur is also challenging maybe some underlying fear of rejection because when you when you short circuit the whole thing or just don't even commit to an action, then you can't be disappointed because it never even kicked off anyway. So yeah, yeah exactly. Which I definitely relate to even as a projector. Yeah. I mean, crowdfunding was hard because it was like daily emails and personal DMs and writing people. I mean, you got some emails from me, I'm sure. Like, you know, just just saying, hey, like, do you have a couple of dollars you can throw towards my short film? I'll, you know, make you a little uh, tarot video and <laughs> whatever. And, and this kind of bartering. And every time I sent one of those emails or messages, I had to like, really just like breathe through it and and tell Brenda to like just play cocomelon and like sit in the back while I work uh because like she was the loudest she's ever been when I was crowdfunding for this film I was like you know she was saying crazy shit she was like if you don't raise the money for this film you should just kill yourself because that's sad and I'm like girl like I don't need that please like aren't you like and then I would say like aren't you grateful I'm making a movie about you like, aren't you so grateful that I'm making a movie about you? And then she would be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yes. Oh. What What I also appreciated was that you directly named it Inner Saboteur. What inspired that particular convention? Because I feel like there's so many other words we've thrown out around that, like fear of being the seen, etc. Inner critic, all that. Inner critic. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I can't take credit for it, honestly. Um, I, there are a couple places that that comes from, uh, one of which is RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, it's a common thing that they talk about on that show. Uh, Ru will just go, your inner saboteur is getting to you. I think she really likes saying the word saboteur. So <laughs> that was just, you know, your inner saboteur. They did a whole runway challenge where they had to dress up as like themselves and then they had to dress up as their inner saboteur and like record audio over it and give that voice a name and do that and I really liked it there's like a whole I think there's like a segment where um RuPaul and Michelle Visage are like talking to Katya who's like one of my favorite queens about her inner saboteur and it's funny because I hadn't seen that when I had already given my saboteur the name Brenda um 
and then Katya goes, yeah, her name's Brenda. And I was like, whoa, like you can't make that shit up. That's, <laughs> that's so, I I love that. I'm kind of in the same multiverse <laughs> there with Katya. Um, so I, yeah, I won't take credit for it at all. I think saboteur is a funner, um, splashy word too, because like this idea of self-sabotage is very real for, you know, somebody who, you know, struggles with addiction. Um, what we do by, you know, over binging with alcohol, food, whatever it is that we binge with is sabotaging ourselves. It's keeping us back from like being our real selves. Um, so the inner saboteur is that voice that's like, Hey, you can you have like three more drinks. You're, you'll be good when you have three more drinks or, Oh, like, you know, don't go to the gym, just stay in and eat bread, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that term as well, because I think it also makes it easier to challenge it too. Because when you hear inner critic, you think like, well, critics occasionally have a good idea. But then when it comes to sabotage, you're like, no, (laughs) unless it's like you're sabotaging a major crime or something awful, more often than not, it has to do with like, I'm annihilating my chance at happiness or chance at peace. And why would I, why would I do that? Yeah, that's, that's Gianna. That's the Gianna of it all. Like Mm -hmm. you're really just like, you know, not spoiling the film, but you're, you're, giving people a good grasp on uh, what the film is about there. If you could give folks like even one little bit of advice on how to begin to heal their inner saboteur, what would you offer them? Yeah. Step one, give it a name. That's not you. So, I mean, you, you said you don't have a name for yours. So like, you know, on the, on the, on the fly, like what's the name? Carla. Carla, great. Yeah. And like, if you close your eyes and give Carla like a physicality, something different than you, like Carla might have hair all the way down to her butt and little devil horns, or she might be wearing all muted colors and blacks and whites and boring clothing, or she might have like a wacky... Uh, accessory (laughs) statement necklace Um, and just like making her real and acknowledging that she's there and then you could say something to her like I see you and I get that you're scared but um, I have other shit to do than like chat with you right now Yeah, I think step one is give the, give that voice a name. Step two is make them real. You can draw them. You could visualize them. You could give them physical attributes, personality attributes, a voice that is different than yours. Like mine kind of talks like this. Um, <laughs> a lot of vocal fry. And, and then saying what you have to say to them. Saying an affirmation that like keeps them quiet. And writing down, you know, you could even write down what they're saying to get it out of your head and onto paper and making it small. Exactly. The last question I ask everybody on the podcast before asking where they could find you and all that whatnot is what is something that you wish people asked about you that never comes up and you wish did? 
Ooh, what is something that I'm never asked about myself that I wish I was? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, what did you have for breakfast? Like, you know, like stuff like that. Usually it's like, what are you working on? You know, I just want, I just want to tell people about my like fun new recipe that I just learned to make a um, rice cake into a pizza, you know? I love talking about food. Like I, I, you know, I'm a, a, I don't identify so much as a foodie, but I love cooking and like, yeah, people are more than welcome to ask me for recipes. <laughs> well, now I know what to text you about next time. I think, I think of like, how are they doing? Yes. I'm going to ask you what you're eating. Uh, excellent. Well, thank you so much for just shooting the shit with me for a while, talking about Gianna, talking about her healing. How can the people find you? You can find me all over the internet. I am all over the internet. I'm on basically all the platforms. Uh, TikTok and Instagram, it's at Rivka.Reyes. And then Twitter, you can't have a dot. So it's just at Rivka Reyes. And, and I will say, if you want to check out Gianna, like we, we don't have a, um, a movie or a trailer out yet publicly, but we do have an amazing Seed and Spark page, which shows you how much money we raised and where it all went and uh, just some more backstory on the film and uh, some fun little nuggets of joy that uh, <laughs> happened while we were making it. Um, and that you can go to Gianna.movie. That's the full website, Gianna.movie. And it's G-I-A-N-N-A dot movie. Uh, and that's the same uh, as our uh, Instagram handle. That's all for today's episode, everyone. While we reach the end of this particular conversation, it's time to turn it over to you. Did something I say lead to some spiderweb thinking and you wish we could go even deeper? Do you have more questions? Please do share what's on your mind in email, voice memo, etc. And do let me know those post-pod questions or ideas or if you'd like to have a particular guest come on the podcast. You know, don't be shy. Let's keep the conversation going. If you liked what you heard and this is all really hitting home for you, please do leave a five-star rating and a review. And pass it along to even one friend you think would benefit from what we talked about today on The Violet Vulture. But that's all for today, friends. Thank you for tuning in The Violet Vulture. Bye for now.